I want to share with you a message today entitled, What the Devil Means for Evil. Dot, 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 dot. If you look at my title, it is very deliberate that I put the dot, 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 dot. Why? Because I want you to complete it with me. So what the devil means for evil? What is it? Type it in. Type it in. Yes. God will turn it around for good. Come, everybody say this with me. One, two, three. What the devil means for evil, God will turn it around for good. Praise the Lord. Well done. Well done. I'm going to share this with you under three broad headings. In what way? Number two, what should our postures be? And then I'll close with an exposition of Luke 24 to illustrate this key principle. What the devil means for evil, God will turn it around for good. In one of my Zoom times with my pastors during this MCO, I asked them this question and I had so many responses from them. So I'm going to summarize for you what are some of the things during this period that what the devil means for evil, God has turned it around for good. Firstly, for evil. The devil thought that he had shut down the church physically. Ah, he was wrong. Why? Because the church has actually grown numerically. We are cut, we are shut down. We are not cut off. Can I repeat that? We are shut down, but we are not cut off. In fact, for our online services, do you know that every weekend we have close to nine to 10,000 views? Meaning that on average, one household, two or three people, we have anything between 20 to 30,000 audience, much bigger than if we had met physically. I like this cartoon that uh, is being shown. I, I just show it to you. The devil says that, hey, I've closed down your churches. God says, on the contrary, my church has grown. The second thing, response, is that the devil thought that when he has locked us all down, he shut us down in the houses as if the house is a prison. Ah, he forgot that a house is not a house. Every house is a home. So what has happened during this period? Hey, we have family. We have family time. Even as I speak now, a lot of families are watching this. So isn't it wonderful? I was told that families sit together to watch the 1010, pray together and do communion together. And in fact, in a short while, uh, at the end of the service, we'll be having communion. Isn't it wonderful? Families doing communion together. This is awesome. And I was even told that wives are now cooking for their husbands and better still, husbands cooking for their wives. Wow, making exotic dishes. And, and, I, and I know that um, this, will, this will happen in the next season of MasterChef. All of you will be lining up for audition. 
and I'm very sure that the next winner will be a Malaysian. The next thing the devil thought that he will do it for evil, hey, he said, you can't go to work. We can't go to work. We can't travel. But the good news is this. This is an enforced Sabbath rest for all of us. We can now read the Bible more. And I was told that many of you are reading the Bible more, journaling and reflecting and doing a lot of things which you wanted to do, like gardening and those of you planting vegetables. And I'm very pleased to know that I was the recipient of some of your produce. Awesome, very fresh. Isn't it wonderful? This is a time of enforced rest. And also the devil thought that they can isolate us and by splitting us and dividing us, we will be disunited. Wrong again, wrong again. What the devil meant for evil, God turned it around for good. How? Never before has the church been more united. For me, I have been connecting with many of you more than I would have done if the church had met physically. I connected with you, sent jokes to you, quotes to you, and I received some of you. Hey, this is awesome. This is really awesome. Globally, the world, the church has even been more connected than ever before. I was very privileged to participate in one of the global solemn assemblies. And in one of them, I, I, I logged in, and this one particularly touched me. It was hosted by uh, Pastor David Damien, and uh, the world came together to pray, but more important, for the first time, the entire world took communion together. And what was more poignant was that that communion was hosted and conducted by a Messianic Jew, Rabbi from Jerusalem, and he did it in Hebrew. Tears came to my eyes. Because never before has the church worldwide been so united. Where there is unity, God commands his blessing. So what the devil meant for evil, God turned it around for good. A couple of other things. Um, nationally, the PDRM reports to us that ever since the lockdown, the crime rate has gone down, thefts have gone down, robberies have gone down, murders have gone down. Isn't it wonderful? And of course, globally, hey folks, the air is cleaner. We can breathe non-polluted air. I was told for the first time after 30 years, they could see the Himalayas very clearly. And for us in Malaysia, this is a map of the nitrogen dioxide levels over Malaysia. Praise the Lord! We can breathe clean air. Isn't it wonderful? So what the devil means for evil, God has really turned it around for good. What then should be our postures? When we believe this, that God certainly has turned things around for good, what then should our postures be? There are five. Can I encourage you that during this period, have these five postures locked into your spirit man so that by the time the MCO is lifted, we can really, really hit the ground running because these five postures 
are part and parcel of our character. Number one, when we know and know that all things work out together for good to them who love God and who are called according to His purpose, first of all, we must be resolute. Resolute means strong, stand firm, don't waver, don't go young, go young, don't have doubts, you know. And I know many of us have doubts in our minds. Is God behind this? Why so much suffering? Why so much death? It's not a time to allow these doubts to come in. We must be resolute. Everybody say, we must be resolute. One, two, three. Type it in, type it in. One, two, three. We must be resolute. Once again, one, two, three. We must be resolute. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 11 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you and I can stand. We stand against the devil's schemes. Be strong in the power of His might. So can I encourage you, church? Be strong. Be strong. Be resolute. The second posture that we must have, not only must we be resolute and strong, we must be resilient. In other words, don't only be strong today eh, and tomorrow give up. In other words, we must have strength to last the long haul. We must be resilient. We must persevere. We must not give up. We must be resolute as well as resilient. Never before in the history of mankind, I believe, in our lifetime, has our belief system been tested and stretched. So we must not give up. We must be resilient. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to verse 15. Come on. Every one of you, read this with me. Are you all right? Both in the homes, every one of you, read this together with me. Are you ready? One, two, three. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. Are you mature? Am I mature? I want to believe that all of us in SIBKL are mature. And when we are mature, then we press forward. We press towards the mark of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. We persevere. We don't give up. The third posture is not only must we be resolute, must we be resilient, we must have reserves. We cannot go on an empty tank. Even if you want to drive your car, if your car has no petrol, you want to be resolute, you want to be resilient, the car will stop. So very, very important. You and I must have, well, not only financial reserves, even though that's important, but spiritual reserves. You remember what we did in Matthew last year, the parable of the virgins? And I shared with you how we must be like the five virgins who have reserves and not like the, not like the other five foolish ones who had enough. 
but not enough, not enough to last a long haul. They just pumped up. They just em emptied themselves. They didn't have the reserves. Friend, build up your spirit, man. In the coming weeks, I don't care whether in the anticipated coming global recession, the World Bank can go bankrupt, but our World Bank cannot go bankrupt. Our World Bank must be replenished, filled and filled to overflowing. We must have reserves. And there's no better time now, my friend, than to fill up your spiritual tank. Be resolute, be resilient, have enough reserves. And the fourth posture we must have, even during this MCO period, so that we can face the challenges ahead of us, is that we have to reset. Reboot, if you like. Reset what? Three things. Can I encourage, I encourage you, my friend, during this period, think, reflect on what has happened and re-evaluate, recalibrate your life again. What are the three things I would encourage you to reset? The three values. Number one, value life. Why, pastor? Hey, thank God la, we are so healthy. Thank God la, we are safe. Thank God la, we are strong. Thank God la, the virus didn't, didn't affect us. Thank God our families are safe. Thank God we, have, we can live from day to day and go back to work and go back to our normal life. In other words, value life. Don't take life for granted. Value life. You will remember that uh, in one of my Chew on the Word, I shared with you 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to remind you of it. When it says in verse 17 to verse 18, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. In other words, don't fix your eyes on the physical. Fix your eyes on what is unseen for the eternal. Value life. Value eternity. Value your eternal life. The second thing we must reset in our value system is not only value life, but value purpose. Why do we live? You know, after this MCO is lifted and we go back to work, there are many, many people who are confused traumatized, if you like, disorientated. They need help. They need strength. They are weak. So what do we do? We engage and we encourage. We, that's all we need to do. We need to give purpose. We need to now have a higher call. Remember this one thing I do, forsaking those things which are behind, I press on towards the high call. So our high call is now reaching out to the lost and giving them hope, lend strength, impart faith. So in other words, there must be purpose in what we live after the MCO is lifted. And the third thing that we need to reset and push the reset button is not only value life, not only value the, the purpose, but guess what? Value your church. 
You know, at the end of this, value your pastors. They were there when it mattered, right? Value church. Value the community of saints. Value this extended family other than your biological family. Your closest relationship must be towards the extended family of God because we are in it all together. Whether we like it or we don't, when we reach heaven, do you know that we still will have each other? Whether you like it or don't. So might as well get used to it, right? The fifth posture, return to God. Not only be resolute, not only be resilient, not only make sure you have reserves, not only reset, but can I encourage you, especially those of you who have not been to church for some time, who are hearing this message after a long, long time, because now church is in the doorstep. Return to God. Return to God big time. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. The Lord wants to refresh you, my friend. The Lord wants to revive you. Come back to God. So can I just summarize the five postures? Number one, be resolute. Number two, in this diagram, be resilient. Number three, have reserves. Number four, time to reset. And number five, time to return back to God. And you find that each one of these, there are scripture verses to back it all up. So everybody say once again with me, one, what is written on the screen? Are you ready? One, two, three. What the devil means for evil, God will turn it around for good. One more time. Children, everybody say the same with me. Whole family, are you ready? Say out loud so that your mom can hear, your dad can hear you, right? Are you ready? One, two, three. What the devil means for evil, God will turn it around for good. Well done, well done. Come on, let's give God a clap offering. Praise God, amen. Clap loud, clap loud. Hallelujah. So good, so good, so good. Let me close now in the last few minutes by sharing with you a couple of thoughts from Luke 24, verse 13 to verse 19. So I'm going to ask someone to read this passage with you. Luke 24, verse 13 to verse 19. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 24, beginning from verse 13 to verse 19. Reading from Luke chapter 24, verse 13 to 19. On the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. You know that there is no better illustration 
that what the devil means for evil, God will turn it around for good. Then the moment when the disciples found out that Jesus Christ was alive. Why? Because before that, they thought that the devil had won. Jesus had died. All is gone. Hopes were dashed. But then Luke chapter 24 tells us, Jesus himself came and he did something to the two disciples on the Emmaus road and turned them around, tutored them, encouraged them, told them that what the devil meant for evil, hallelujah, God has turned it around for good. How did Jesus do that? Well, two ways. Jesus did it in two ways. And as I speak now, this is what the Lord is doing to you even as I come to this passage. Two things Jesus did, but one thing we must do. Stay on with me because that one thing we must do will blow your mind. So what are the two things Jesus did to affirm them that what the devil meant for evil on the cross, God has turned it around for good. Luke 24, verse 25 to 27. He said to them, How foolish you are! How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken! Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. So what did Jesus do? Jesus opened up the word of God, not just open up the word of God about everything or anything. No, about what? Himself. That's the key. Jesus opened up the word concerning himself. And they said, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and, and opened the scriptures to us? The key is this. Even this time when we know, how do we know that God has turned things around for evil? Jesus would open scriptures to you, like what I'm doing now. I'm a, I'm a postman. I open up scriptures to you. And as I begin to do that, my prayer is that your eyes are open, your minds are enlightened, and your hearts burn within you. Jesus himself said, in the word of God, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 to 5, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So the key is this. How do we have the confirmation that what the devil means for evil, God will turn it around. God has turned it around for good. Jesus opens the word to you spiritually, like what I'm sharing with you now, as I share with you now. But secondly, very important, Jesus not only opened the word to you and to his disciples, he walks with you. He walked with the disciples from Jerusalem to Emmaus, seven miles, seven miles. And I don't believe that it's for two meters that the word seven miles is there. Why? Because seven is the word, is the number that represents covenant. It's a number that represents perfection. In other words, Jesus will not leave you alone. 
He will journey with you. He will walk with you because he is in covenant with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. How to doubt him anymore? He opens the word like what I'm doing now and he also journeys with you through this difficult period now and post-MCO. But what is the one thing we must do? Now hear me well and hear me very well. The one thing you and I must do is this. We must want Jesus to stay. Why? Because if you look at verse 28 and verse 31, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But the two disciples on Emmaus Road urged him strongly. The word is strongly urged. Stay, stay with us. And so Jesus stayed. Jesus went in, stayed with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And at that moment, they recognized it's Jesus. What's my point? My point is this. You can actually hear sermons without seeing Jesus. You can actually read the word of God glibly without actually seeing Jesus. You can hear my sermon, hear this word, but actually you don't see Jesus. But it's not what Jesus wants. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you. How? You must want it. Can you imagine what would have happened if the disciples say, Chukup lah, chukup, enough. Jesus, I've heard your sermon. I wait for next week. Uh, uh, I've read your word of God. Enough, enough. Jesus would have passed by. But he says, no. Lord, stay. Lord, stay. Because we want more of you. And so they urged him strongly, stay. Jesus said, himself said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, here I am. Jesus says to you and to me today, here I am. I stand at the door of your house. I stand at the door of your heart, my friend, and I knock. What? The Son of God knocking at the door of your heart? Yes. If anyone hears my voice, you must open the door. Jesus says, I will come in. Eat with that person and they with me. Many evangelists use this verse for evangelistic crusades. Well and done, well and good. But you know that this verse was said to the church in Laodicea, to Christians. What kind of church in Laodicea? Lukewarm church. I want so much of you, Jesus. But please don't call me, I call you. Jesus says, I will spit you out of my mouth. Don't do that, my friend. Invite Jesus to come into your heart, into your home, into your life from now onwards. Because Jesus delights to come in, to stop with you, to have fellowship with you. And the moment in which they saw the Lord was when they broke bread. In a short while, we're going to take communion. And my prayer for all of us in the homes is that when we break the bread and drink the juice, the bread represents the body broken 
for you and for me so that all our sins can be forgiven. And when we drink the grape juice, it represents the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you on the cross so that your sins and my sins can all be forgiven. Let's invite the Lord. Let's pray so that our eyes can be open and we see Jesus. Not only hear a sermon, not only read the scripture, but we actually see Jesus. I want to address those of you in the homes who have yet to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your personal Savior. When we do communion, we always say that those of you who accepted Jesus, please join us. But those of you who have not yet, let it pass by. Can I encourage you today? Don't let the bread and the juice pass you by. I'm very, very sure that your loved ones would love very much for you to be part of this family, their family, they can take the communion together. I would personally welcome you, love you very much that you join us for the first time in your life to take communion together. And I'm very sure the Lord would want very much for you to join your loved ones, husbands, wives, parents, children. Would you want to join your loved ones to take communion together? If you want to, can you pray this prayer with me? Let's, let's close our eyes and bow our heads. And every one of us in your room, pray this prayer with me, together with those of your loved ones who would want to do that. I say it and you follow me. Lord Jesus, I hear your word today and I feel your presence right now. I want to receive you into my heart. I receive you into my heart as my Lord and my Saviour. I believe that you died for my sins on the cross. I believe that by your precious blood, my sins are all forgiven. I thank you that I am now your son or your daughter. I can now call you my father. My name is now written in the book of life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have said that prayer, let's prepare our hearts to do communion. As your family members prepare extra emblems, and so in the night that Jesus Christ was betrayed, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, just like he did to the two disciples in Emmaus. Take it, this is my body. Hallelujah. Father, we want to thank you 
thank you, Lord, for the body of Jesus Christ broken for us. And we pray, God, that even as we take this bread that represents the body of Jesus Christ broken for us, Lord, open our eyes that we may see you and give our lives back to you again for the rest of our days. We thank you for this bread that represents the body broken for my sin and our sins. Thank you, Lord. Let's partake of this bread together. Then Jesus took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them. Drink from it, all of you. Jesus says, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, Jesus says, I will not drink of this fruit of the wine, vine from now on until that day when I will drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's give thanks for the cup. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross so that my sins are all forgiven. Thank you, Father Lord, for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I love you and I thank you. And I take this, Father, with anticipation that we will do it again when you return. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you as we close. Lord Jesus, thank you for this wonderful time that we can spend in your presence. I want to welcome, Father Lord, in your name, those who took the communion for the very first time in their life. Thank you, Lord. And we welcome them into the family of God. Heaven rejoice, Lord. Heaven rejoice today. And we thank you that we can take communion together as a family. Father, we bless you. Thank you once again for every good thing that comes from you. That truly, Lord, what the devil means for evil, you have already turned it around for good. Thank you for the blood that cleanses us. Thank you for the blood that gives us a clear conscience. Thank you for the blood that forgives all our sins. Thank you for the blood that by the power of the blood, we have power over the evil one. Thank you for the victory over the devil. Thank you, Lord, that by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we are healed. And so I pray for every sickness in the name of Jesus, that every sickness, every illness in our bodies will go in Jesus' name. And all of us, Lord, will not only experience good physical health, but divine health as well. Thank you, Lord. You're a good God. We bless you, Father. We bless you. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face always to shine upon you and your loved ones. May the Lord turn His face towards you and always grant you shalom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much indeed for joining us in this service. See you again 
and have a wonderful, wonderful week. God bless you all.